fade in on Harbor Vale, a sleepy town in coastal Maine, its residents continually harrowed by an unyielding mist that intrudes from the Atlantic, and, much like the town, veiled by this persistent precipitation, its residents veil secrets of their own. Secrets of an ancestral curse and the desire to embrace it. Secrets of justice, distributed in the shadows. Secrets of newfound duty, and a life left behind. Secrets of bestial instinct, clawing its way to the surface. And as we cast our eyes towards these silent secrets, we shall delve even deeper into what truly transpires down by the bay. Hello, and welcome to These Silent Secrets. My name is Zach, and today I will be serving as your humble narrator. Due to some life things, we didn't have time to get together to record an episode as a full cast, but we didn't want to leave you with nothing. So, what we have for you today is something very special. A bit of a a look behind the mental curtains of our characters. Each of my fantastic players have recorded for you all a short monologue of sorts to give you a little more insight into what their characters are feeling. I'm very excited for you to hear it. I think it's going to be very, very cool, and next episode we'll be back to our usual antics. A very fantastic piece of news. We have been hard at work for a while now trying to provide transcripts. However, with an unscripted show, transcripts can be a little difficult and a little time-consuming. However, we're very happy to announce that our first three episodes of this show, so episodes one, two, and three, we have transcripts available. You can find the link to that down below in the episode description. So any friends or family members that you've told about the show, but perhaps they are not a native speaker or they're hard of hearing, or they just would rather prefer to read alone to a podcast, they can do that now. We have more on the way, hard at work on those, and I will let you know as more become available. Another interesting piece of news, something we've been working on here at Ghostlight Media, is to get a sort of um, a listener feedback survey going. That has been launched. Uh, It's been going for about a week now, I believe. But if you enjoy the show, you want to give a little more direct feedback into things that you want to see, things that you want uh, more attention paid to, you can check that out at bit.ly, that's bit.ly slash glms22. Again, that's bit.ly slash glms22. Any feedback you might have for us, we'd very much appreciate it. I do want to give a big, big thank you, uh, of course, to Chase Greenlee for producing our show, as well as Nicole for scoring this here episode, but also to Freddie and Marcus of our show here for helping me with the first few transcripts. And as we launch more, we actually have a fantastic new friend to introduce you to. So I'm very excited for you to uh, meet them. But with all of that out of the way, there's nothing keeping us from diving into this here episode of these silent secrets down by the bay. Fade in on Harbor Vale, a town like any other, or so it may seem. Although the mist that lingers heavy in the air may seem like normal coastal Atlantic weather to the untrained eye, it serves as a constant reminder to those willing to look a little deeper, a reminder of what is kept concealed, of what we all choose to hide from ourselves and others. From ancient power and the isolation that comes with it. Being Avery comes with a mask, a purpose, of constantly trying to prove that I'm not a monster. 
or a gripping pain in the fear of what comes next? Will this wave ever crash, Dad? To the dark choices we must make to keep others safe. I never thought I would even think of doing something like this, but I can't just sit back and watch someone I've never met try to hurt my family and friends. Or the ability to shake off even the grimmest of deeds. I wonder what that buffalo chicken dip recipe, because that shit was so good. Fuck. However, sometimes the things we want most to stay hidden are the things that must be brought to the light in moments of great need. A lesson that four young students will surely learn, sooner rather than later. We pull in on Isla Hart. Her fingers run through the hair of her boyfriend, Julian, whose vision seems trapped in the middle distance, his skin a clammy gray color. They sit on a bed in the basement of the Chen family, in the home of a classmate she barely knows, with nowhere else to go. Across from her, propped on the bed is a photo, a family photo of the Ciprianos. She stares at it with the wrath of a hundred hurricanes in her eyes, but behind her eyes, she harkens back to where this all began. I've been away from my family for three months. That's the longest I've gone without hugging my mother and hearing her laugh at my younger sister Narelle's antics. The longest I've gone without Narelle bringing me trinkets she found on her swims. The longest I've gone without my father to tell me, chin up, starfish. Every wave has to crash sometime. My father, Eaton, was... is... the glue of my family. A hard worker, respected by others in our town. He's strict when he needs to be with rules like don't go too far into the kelp forest or leave the turtles alone when they swim too close to the sand and don't for any reason whatsoever leave the water but his laugh almost makes all the silly rules worth it my family has been kelp farmers for as long as our underwater town has been around my ancestors built the town close to the massive forest and tasked my forefathers with maintaining the supply the kelp farm is my father's crowning achievement. He revolutionized the process after his father retired and his business expanded tenfold. That's how I met Julian. Dad needed extra help and the boy from the town over, who, when I last saw him, couldn't carry a coral, let alone a harvesting sickle, came to the rescue. He grew into his gills and mom caught me staring one day and got this weird look on her face. One that said, Oh, a mother knows. Things were good for a while. Dad worked with Julian every day, and I kept staring through windows and, and open doors, blushing when Julian would look up from his duties and smirk my way. I don't remember how we decided to be a couple. It was just the world before Julian, and now the world with him. Until that day. I was just getting back from school with Narelle when I heard Mom scream. I swam at full speed toward the field behind our house and came around the corner to see Julian struggling to carry my father. Dad's arms were curled around his torso, and he was shaking and muttering. What happened? I shouted over my mother's sobs. Julian wasn't sure how to explain what he saw. He said they were deep in the field and found rainbow shell-colored swirls in the water around the kelp. Father went to take a closer look and swam into the thick oil to check his crop. And then he didn't come out. Julian swam in quickly and found him on the ocean floor, wide-eyed and, and groaning. He lifted him into his arms and brought him back. 
Julian carried Dad into the house and laid him on his and Mom's bed. Mom took his hand and brushed his silver hair from his forehead while muttering his name, trying to bring him back to consciousness. Eaton, Eaton, please. A few days had gone by, and my mother and my father had gone silent. Mom either sat by his side or stood by the window staring out into the kelp forest, so deep in grief that she barely heard us asking how she was feeling. I snuck in to see Dad during one of Mom's spells and sat by his side. My ship of a father. The one who broke our waves was a shell. His skin was cold and clammy. His veins were turning a sickly gray. I took his hand and I couldn't feel the calluses on his palm. Please, tell me what I can do. Isla, he whispered. My head snapped up to see his eyes open his sea blue murky and floating with fog. Dad, tell me what happened, I pleaded. The surface, poison. Me. Us. All. His voice was raspy and his sentences short. The surface. How could the surface do this? I wondered aloud, staring at our clasped hands. I looked back up to hear the answer, but he was already back asleep. I met Julian late that night and told him. We went through all we had learned in surface studies, trying to find the answer and the solution. The surface had humans who built upon the earth. Large buildings and roads and cars and, and boats and other inventions that sometimes made their way into our waters. Well, why don't we just go take a look, Julian suggested. You know I can't, I responded automatically. But then the idea struck me. Not going to the surface was my father's rule, and currently, Dad doesn't know high tide from low tide. I took off like a shark that smelled blood. Or in my case, poison. Julian caught up and found me treading above water, frozen, staring at the reason my father was dying. A large patch of slick rainbow oil floated on the surface. My eyes followed the swirls to a large steel pipe on the cliffside, currently dumping even more inky black sludge into the water above the kelp forest. My eyes traced up. A large building with blinding lights on the side. Cipriano Family Fun Center. Do you think they're the ones? The rest of Julian's question was lost beneath the sound of my dive back underwater and the mad dash to the shore. My head just broke the surface when I heard Julian call my name. You can't be serious. You're going on land? And what plan do you have? He questioned me. I didn't have a plan. Just anger and darkness clouding my mind. Come with me. It was a demand more than a question. He quieted, and the darkness cleared for a moment for me to see his face fall. I can't, he breathed. Please, I begged. I can't do it without you. Sure you can, Gup. He smirked before the serious tone returned. I'll handle telling your mom, and I'll watch over him. We stared at each other until a soft thank you flowed from me. A goodbye kiss and wiped tears marked the start of my journey on land. <laughs> and look where it's gotten me. Homeless. No sound plan to take down the Ciprianos, and my boyfriend in a classmate's basement, suffering the same way my father currently is beneath the waves. Will this wave ever crash, Dad? Our camera now flies through the evening air of the town, 
High above the buildings and trees, we rapidly approach a historic home, one that has housed one of the oldest families of Harbor Vale for generations, the Sullivan House. As we slow to a crawl, our view passing through the window into the kitchen, Avery Carlyle pulls into focus. She sits across from her friend and classmate Jason Chen after an evening of ground-shaking events, enjoying the buffalo chicken dip they just prepared together. And as they talk, her mind wanders. Harbor Vale looks different from the sky. When you're in the town, walking among the fog, it feels eerie, mysterious. You can't see much beyond the few dozen yards ahead of you. So your worldview is bound to feel truncated, small. It's easy to forget that there's an entire world beyond it all, when every day you're forced to walk through it. That's one reason I spend most of my nights flying above the thick layer of fog, soaring through the sky. It's a lot clearer up there. And I'm not just talking about the fog. There's a certain level of clarity that comes from being a third-party viewer to your life. Watching Harbor Vale as if it's a rerun of an old TV show. Familiar. Safe. Always at arm's length. I've found that most of the time I prefer it. Being a raven. Completely separating myself from my human form. From the burdens of existing. Being Avery means that there are expectations and rules. Being Avery comes with a mask. A purpose. Of constantly trying to prove that I'm not a monster. (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. Every single day I wake up and I try to prove myself. I go to school, I try to prove myself. I come home and I try to prove myself. Day in and day out, it's a constant, never-ending cycle. So yeah, whenever I can, I prefer to let Avery go for a little while and just fly. It's my own fault, though. I'm the one who seemed hell-bent on proving that these gifts that I have are exactly that. A gift. My family once thought that originally, though, too. That what we had was important, useful, helpful, even. And they used it. A lot, from what I've heard from my grandma. Along the way, though, something changed. Our gift became not something that they used to help, but something that they wielded in their own personal gain. Stealing information to cause ripples and tension within the community. Our ability to rip secrets and fears from the lips of others led to the destruction of entire families, relationships, businesses. They realized just how fragile their solid ground was whenever one of us was around. It wasn't long before the Sullivan name became synonymous with bad omens. It didn't take long for my great-great-grandmother to decide that these raven abilities were in fact the bad omen that they were made out to be. That she wasn't helping others by forcing them to acknowledge their deepest fears or admit their guilts. She was ruining lives. 
She passed that mentality to my grandmother, and so that's what was instilled in me from the moment I understood I was different. My grandma sat me down, offered me a sip of her margarita that I declined because I was seven, and told me what I was. A monster. For a while, I believed her. My parents don't know about our gifts. My grandma told me it was to protect them. They think that the rumors surrounding our family have everything to do with the promiscuity of my great-great-grandmother and nothing to do with the supernatural gifts that I now also possess. I guess it is easier that way. Just like sometimes it's easier for me to spend my nights flying around Harborvale, watching from a distance instead of really participating keeping everyone at a professional arm's length. When I'm flying, when, when I'm a raven, it's okay that I've isolated myself, that I, I'm all alone. You know, I, I've spent most of my life cementing myself as the person that others come to for advice. I've worked so hard to be everyone else's crying shoulder, so blindly trying to prove myself that I didn't stop to think about who do I go to? My parents don't know. My grandma doesn't understand. It's lonely. Or at least it was lonely. This past week has changed everything. There's a whole world out there past the fog. A whole world of people like me monsters and some are dangerous others like Jason are doing what they can to keep everyone safe and then there are some who are just out there trying to prove themselves it's terrifying and confusing but it's also incredible and suddenly I don't feel so alone and so here I am <laughs> Buffalo chicken dip in front of me, sitting across my kitchen island from Jason Chen. Someone I just witnessed commit a pretty gruesome act. But I'm not afraid. In fact, for the first time, I don't want to fly away from the world tonight. I want to be me, exactly where I am. Our view swivels on the table to the other side, showing us the face of Jason Chen. He continues his conversation with Avery, scooping a healthy tortilla chip full of buffalo chicken dip into his mouth as his friend speaks. As he chews, he flashes forward to the bureaucracy of paperwork he has ahead of him in the aftermath of his job. Okay. Ugh, this is always the worst part. Fill out all these dang forms. I don't get why the whole biz has to be so specific about reports getting typed up after the fact. Like, they are dealt with. We all know that. Like, just let me say it's done and that just be it. Okay? <sighs> okay. Whatever. Whatever. It's fine. What's fine. All right. 
Name. Shannon Garrity. Reason. General Succubus stuff. Location. Jacobs. Whoops. Jacobsville. Lucky Clover Mart. That was is that what it was called? I feel like I feel like I heard a bunch of names for it. It's probably fine. That sounds like it was probably what it was. Witnesses. Shit. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. They have no reason to follow up with her. Even if they did, she already knows we're magic. She's magic herself. It's probably not an issue. It's, it's only supposed to be an issue if someone sees it who isn't supposed to, and she already knew about it, so I don't see why it would be a problem if I put down Avery on the form. None. None witnesses. Nothing for extra notes. And... Send. Cool. Still is annoying to have to deal with this because I, I don't want to think about it. Like I already did it. I don't want to have to think about who's going to be uh, employee of the month next after now that Shannon's done. So I didn't look up too much about her before we went off. I wonder if she has any like. I wonder what that buffalo chicken dip recipe was, because that. Shit was so good. Fuck. I gotta get that from Avery later. Because I do want that recipe. I hope Kanan's doing fine, though. It feels like they were a bit shaken up earlier. Fighting a bear? Or finding a bear. Not fighting a bear. They just found it. That's probably fine, then. But he better be getting ready for Left 4 Dead. God! Shoot, I still gotta I still gotta come up with music to submit for the sh the radio show. What? I mean, like it's really cool that Isla wants me to have a show. That'd be fun. But I I need to have music taste that's gonna impress Isla. What does she like? I mean, she likes what was it? The party? What was it? The party? There was there was She Wolf. There was Jason Mraz. There was Lady Gaga. That's not enough. I can't just I can't just come back with a playlist that she's already come up with. I need to do my own stuff. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I've probably got time. Like, I don't... I don't see why I would see her until, like, I get back to school again. And then, then we probably won't be able to talk until, like, we really get into, like, another party. Or maybe I can see if she's free for lunch. But, so I, like, it's not urgent, but... I should start now. I should start now. Uh, Dead Mouse. We'll do that. Um, Justice. Gorillas. Uh, can I play stuff from Halo on the radio? Is that weird? I don't think that's weird. Or is it like a cool weird? Is it like that's that, that that's unconventional? You know, like maybe I wouldn't hear it on the radio. So that's why 
it's a good idea. Plus, like, imagine that you are just driving down the, you're just driving home from work, and then, like, you get, like, the warthog, like, race, like, music coming on. That's going to be, ah, oh, that would be such a cool drive. Is that safe? Is that a safe thing to do to make people listen to that and get super excited while driving from home? Uh, it's probably not a good idea. I wonder when the next stone comes in. It's been a while. I mean, I, I had the one for Shannon for like a week or so before I had to do it. And it's been a little while before that one, before I had another one. So it'll probably be at least a couple weeks. Unless it like picks up for some reason, but I feel like usually after something happens, after I do a job, that kind of quiets down a little bit because everyone's like, ooh, there's consequences. But it's been, it'll be a while. It'll be fine. Maybe I can get Kanan to play Borderlands also. If I can get them on Left 4 Dead, then I'm sure I can get them on Borderlands. Just co-op in general is just a fun thing to do. Maybe Avery will play too. Maybe I can get, well, I don't want to have to kick anybody out. Maybe I have two groups, one for Left 4 Dead and one for Borderlands, and then, like, it's two, like, distinct gaming groups, and no one has to be excluded, no one has to worry about whether or not they're in both groups or which group they're in, because they already know, and it's just clearly defined, no questions about it. That could work. Communication. You just gotta have good, clear, open communication. But what if Isla thinks my music is stupid? Do I would I want to do a radio show where I couldn't play music that I like playing though? Why am I trying to solve three things at the same time? I don't even want to do one job at the same time. I've already done one thing today. I've submitted the paperwork, I've submitted the form for all for all Shannon, for all succubus Shannon. That's done. I should take tonight off. I should take tonight off. All right. Where is Avery? Okay. Um. What is the recipe for the buffalo dip scent? Maybe it's movie night. The camera leaves the pair and moves back through the town beneath the growing gray clouds above. There's a scent on the air, the scent of rain on the horizon. We reach a home much like any other. We circle the home, spiraling upward all the way, and through a fogging window, we see Kane and Talbot. We move in to join them by the desk of their bedroom. A pen in their hand, its tip hovers above the page of the journal in eager anticipation for inspiration to strike. Journal entry, October 7th, 2009. I told mom and dad about the bear in the woods today, and they seemed almost relieved? As if brutally slaughtering an innocent animal is okay? I'm not against hunting or anything, but with that, the death is... quick. I'm not really sure what to do anymore, and I'm just so conflicted. It's like I'm trying to balance between feeling really happy and hopeful, but also scared, anxious, and frustrated. On one hand, there's Alexandria, and she makes me really happy... Like there's this fluttering in my stomach and this heat in my chest. Seeing her always makes me so nervous. But a good nervous. 
I really like talking to her and being around her and getting to know her, and I want to keep doing that. But on the other hand, you've got my aunt and whatever it is she is up to, and I'm just afraid things are going to escalate and get bad. If she has this dark history and she goes around hurting people, why is no one doing anything about it? If she's out there recruiting others like her, how long till something bad happens and someone gets hurt? Or worse. It's like a problem that no one wants to solve and they act like if they just ignore it, it will go away somehow. I love and trust my parents, but their relaxed attitude is honestly kind of scaring me someone needs to do something about Katrina I don't like lying I don't like bending the truth I don't like violence I feel like this is pretty well known about me but what do you do when you come to a fork in the road one path leads to passive observance but could end with your loved ones being hurt The other is a path of violence and deception and bloodshed. But the destination is a safe place for you and the ones you love. I know about Jason's job, but I don't know all of the details, and honestly, I kind of don't want to. I think I'm going to try... I think I'm going to try and work up the courage to ask him to let me go on a job with him. If he does what I think he does, I might have an idea of how to solve this family issue. If Jason takes care of bad people, then something has to happen to them afterward, right? I don't think what's left over just vanishes, but I'm not sure. But if it looks like the person was mauled by something... Someone will have to do something, right? I never thought I would even think of doing something like this. But I can't just sit back and watch someone I've never met try to hurt my family and friends. If something happens to a person, my parents have to be concerned to do something, right? I don't want to lie to my parents, but... If I'm just kind of vague and say that a body was found in the woods that looks like a wolf or something got to it, that would make them want to do something, though, right? This whole idea makes me sick to my stomach, and the fact that I'm even considering it kind of scares me. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do those things. But if no one else is going to do something, then then I have to. Right? Kanan closes their journal and stares at it for a little while, thinking about what they just wrote and the implication of it all. He gets up and goes downstairs to grab a candle from the family room, makes an offhand comment about the scents being too strong and how he needs something to drown out the smells outside of his window. He grabs a lighter and heads back to his room. Kanan sits back down at their desk, lights the candle, then opens their journal back to the most recent entry. Kanan carefully tears out the page so as not to leave any rip marks behind. Kanan lifts the lighter to the page, flicks the lighter, and lets the page burn before gently tossing the last scrap out the window to be taken by the remaining flame in the wind. 
He pulls out his phone to text Alexandria goodnight and to say how much he is looking forward to the weekend. He also texts Jason to say thanks and that what he wants to talk about and ask tomorrow may be a little hard, but Kanan will respect Jason's wishes either way. He then picks his pen back up and presses it to the clean page of the journal. Journal Entry October 7, 2009 I told Mom and Dad about going to watch the musical at Alexandria's house this weekend. As we depart the Talbot home, the first raindrops of what is sure to be a downpour begin to fall. The rainfall doesn't slow our motion as we jet quickly through the streets, weaving through town, bobbing between the cars of people trying to get home before the coming storm gets bad. We quickly dive through the slates of a storm drain and surf through the wide pipes traversing the underbelly of the city. We reach an iron door, the surface damp and rusted. We move through to the side of a surprisingly elegant room. A figure enters, their face out of frame. They approach another figure cloaked in shadow, sitting in a leather armchair, a worried look on their face. It appears she is back, your eminence. How would you like to proceed? The figure in the chair chuckles low. <laughs> It's been some time since we last reminded her the dangers of returning. Use the kid. That'll get our point across. Now leave me. A benefactor will be here soon. We quickly pull away, back to the doors and further through the pipes. We emerge at the opening to the sea, the water from the drain plummeting to the crash of the waves below. Our vision shifts to the sky where dark clouds gather more and more and the first flash of lightning streaks through the heavens. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Silent Secrets. As per usual, if you enjoyed what you heard and you want to support the show, there's a few ways that you can do it. One of the easiest ways to right now, scroll on down on whatever podcatcher you're listening to this on. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a fantastic review. And if you're feeling particularly spicy, why don't you tell like a pal or a family member about us? And then when we've got this big extended family, we can have very cool family reunions. I won't be the one in charge of planning them, though, because I am not the most organized. But still, you tell some friends and some family, and we'll be a family. What's up, cuz? Another fun way to support the show would be to check out our merch store at tpublic.com slash stores slash ghostlight. We've got some fantastic newer merch up there uh, that I announced a couple of episodes ago. Nicole has been fantastic in designing all of those. Chase is throwing them up there. Thank you, guys. I have bought a lot so far. (laughs) Uh, But you can buy it, too, if you want. So go check it out. If you're feeling particularly generous, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghostlightmedia. We're actually up for the month of May doing some exclusive Patreon-only content. So if you uh, subscribe at a certain tier, uh, I believe it's $5 a month, you get exclusive audio from all the shows at Ghostlight Media, which means that next month you'll get an exclusive The Silent Secrets episode. So go check that out. It's more. It's going to be more of a prequel. And it's going to be pretty cool. Lastly, you can check us out all over the internet. You can find us at our website at thesilentsecrets.com. You can find us on Twitter at SilentSecretPod. You can find us on TikTok at thesilentsecrets. Interface with us because we love hearing from you. Finally, you can check us all out individually on social media. You can find Nicole at Nicole Voice. You can find Marcus at Marcus RVO. You can find Mariah at underscore Mariah Clausen, Freddie at Freddie underscore Pow Pow, and myself at that guy Zach Rob. 
We'll be back in two weeks with another regular episode. But until then, may your secrets stay hidden, except from the people that you trust dearly. Thanks. Bye. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.